You're listening to a message from Spindle City Vineyard. Connect with us or find out more at spindlecityvineyard.com. Good morning, everybody who is here at Spindle City Vineyard and everyone who's watching online. We're glad you're joining us this morning. Bit of a rainy day outside, but um, it's okay. It's nice in here. So this morning, um, I'd like to ask uh, two questions to begin. And I'd just like to have a show of hands for the answers to both questions. So question number one, and it should come up on the screen, how many of us would like to have less money than we have today? About as many hands as I thought. None. Question number two. <laughs> How many of us would like to have more money than we have today? Okay, great. Pretty much every hand. And the reason that I ask that is because today we're going to be talking a little bit about money and generosity. So we'll begin just as soon as we pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this good Sunday morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here and being ready to just take whatever is said from your word and whatever you've given and just, uh, just bring it to everyone, Lord. We thank you that you are good. We thank you that you are gracious. And we thank you that your generosity is greater than anyone's. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So... What does the Bible say about money? Well, first of all, isn't it something that the worship this morning, the one song, one of the, one of the phrases in it was, all we have is yours. And that includes our money. Really, everything belongs to the Lord. Right? So there's nothing wrong with money. It's just, it's just a thing. It's just a, just a tool. 1 Timothy 6.10 talks about how the love of money is the root of all evil. So money itself is fine. The love of money, not so fine. Then we get to Deuteronomy 8.18, and it says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. If money wasn't okay, why would he say that? Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrows with it. Now, I'm not talking about being rich and driving around in a, in a Ferrari and having diamond rings on every finger. But there's nothing wrong with having money, because money is something that we can use for God. If you have a dollar bill in your wallet or purse, would you take it out? If not, we have one up on the screen. Just a $1 bill. And uh, when you take it out or when you look at it up here, just, just check it out. Um, if you have it out, we'll take an offering. If you're looking up here, we'll just forget that. Uh, but turn to the back of the dollar bill, like we can see in the, in the slide. And notice on the right-hand side is an eagle with wings on it. Take a good look at it. And as you, look, uh, as you look at it, just think of the dollar bills in your wallet. You won't have them for long. The dollar is not worth a whole lot today, is it? But at least it's still worth something. So as you look at the wings 
on that eagle. Let me read this passage from Proverbs 23, verse 5. Will you catch only a fleeting glimpse of wealth before it is gone? It makes wings for itself like an eagle flying into the sky. People say money talks, but to most people it just says goodbye. It flies away. And if you did take out a bill, you can put it back now. Thank you. Proverbs 15, verse 16. Better to have little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil. It's just, if you have money, if you have the fear and reverence of the Lord, you're going to do good things with that money. It's going to be a blessing to you and to others. Proverbs 3.27, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Proverbs 11.25, a generous person will be made rich, and whoever satisfies others will themselves be satisfied. That's pretty good wisdom. Proverbs 19.17, whoever has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his good deed. Notice a pattern here. The pattern is we do good things with money and God blesses us. Proverbs 22, verse 9, whoever is generous will be blessed because he has shared his food with the poor. Proverbs 31, verse 20, she opens her hands to oppressed people and stretches them out to needy people. This is the Proverbs 31 woman. If you've never heard of her or haven't thought about her recently, read Proverbs chapter 31. She is a wonderful example of how a person should be. Proverbs 22, verse 1. A good name is more desirable than great wealth. Respect is better than silver or gold, which kind of puts money in its perspective. Right? It's a tool. It's, a, it's, it's something to use on this earth. So now Luke 21, verses 1 through 4, is the story of the widow's mites, and not dust mites. These are... It's just a coin in that day, a small one. I'll read it. It's talking about Jesus here. And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, truly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all these out of their abundance have put offerings in for God. But she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. Mites were Jewish coins, very small. Um, I, on a website, I saw this. It says that they were worth one-sixteenth of a denarius at the time. And a denarius was an average day's wage back then. It's worth about an eighth of a penny in today's money. Not very much, right? So basically, she put in a fourth of a penny in today's and there's some things that this story shows us that we might not otherwise see. First, God sees what man overlooks. I mean, everyone was probably looking at these people who had a lot of money going in and, and putting in their offerings. Right? Matter of fact, the big gifts in the temple, I'm sure everyone was looking at those. But Jesus saw what no one else did. He saw the humble gift of a poor widow. 
This was the gift that Jesus thought was worthy of commenting on. He didn't comment on the other ones. This was the gift that the disciples needed to be aware of. The other gifts in the treasury that day made a lot of noise as they jingled into the receptacles. But the widow's mites made noise in heaven. When we give generously and sometimes sacrificially, it's not because God needs anything. God doesn't need our money. He's not up there counting the dollar bills in heaven. He doesn't need anything from us as far as money goes. But we want to show our love to him. And when we give, it's an expression of love. It's an expression of obedience. And it pleases God. I guess you can't get much more out of just giving a little money. So the widow gave all that she had. She had radical generosity, radical trust in God. We might say, we might say outrageous generosity. So am I saying we have to give every penny we have? No, no. It's simply a lesson in being generous, a lesson in trusting God with our finances. The first thing I'll mention is the tithe. If you don't know what a tithe is, I'll get to that in a second, but Malachi chapter 3 from verse 8, I think through 12, explains the tithe and offerings and uh, what, what comes along with them. It's really a good read. But one quick note about tithing, tithe off the gross income you get, not the net. And you say, somebody's probably saying, wait, what? Tithe off the gross, but I don't get all the gross. That's true, you don't. You get the net pay after taxes. But are we honoring and trusting God or are we honoring and trusting the government? God's the one who gave us the money, right? He gave us the power to get wealth. And look at it this way. God is so good that he wants us to give 10 and the 90s for us. I mean, as God, he could say, give me everything. And then you just go out and find food wherever you, wherever you can. But he doesn't do that. He's good and he is faithful. And tithing is just the beginning and we'll get into that in a second. But my wife, Alvy, we got married in 2012. We, uh, we had enough money to live on, not much more. But we were faithful in giving tithes and offerings as we, as we were able to. And... Uh, In the next three and a half years, I changed jobs three times. And not because I really was looking forward to changing jobs. I went from Syracuse to Chicago because the computer system I worked on, they replaced it. And they replaced us. I went from Chicago to Buffalo because the job there was absolutely terrible and so was my boss. And for that job, what happened was I went in one morning. I didn't have a job in Buffalo yet. I'd had an interview, but only that. So I went in and I told, and I gave my two weeks notice to my boss. She says, well, go ahead, say goodbye to everybody, and then you don't have to come in for two weeks. We'll just, you know, that's okay. And on the way home on the train, I got the call, and I was hired for the job in Buffalo. God is faithful. God is good. Then two, two and a half years later, I went from Buffalo to here, to the Albany area. And uh, moved here for a job that, I mean, really, I, 
it, it was computer programming, which I was doing, but uh, I knew nothing about the company. I knew nothing about how good they were or anything. But, um, yeah, it went well. And now, and now we're doing really well, thanks to God. It's all him. Uh, we're able to help her family in the Philippines financially, which that is a third world country. They have difficulty in earning money, unless, of course, you're very corrupt or you're near the top, in which case you're probably both. But, you know. So anyways, giving tithes and offerings to God is an awesome opportunity to praise him, to worship him in your finances, and to be obedient to him. Put God first. You'll, you'll never regret it. Give him an opportunity. Our church has a number of options for giving beyond the tithe. Don't give your tithe to these options, but give beyond your tithe here. Outreaches, multiple missions, the supply closet, the church building fund. There's a benevolence fund. Just to mention some of the options there are for giving here above the tithe. And there are other ministries that you can give to as well. The Corinthian believers in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, they were asked to put some money aside for the needy believers in Jerusalem. Now, if you know anything about Corinth, um, it was a very immoral city. Now, Paul had told the Corinthian believers that just put it aside, I'll send someone to collect it one day, and we'll bring it to Jerusalem. So they did that. But like I said, it's an immoral city. Today, Las Vegas is called Sin City for a reason. And in that day, maybe Corinth would have been called Sin City. Maybe we would have even heard what happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. Who knows? But this gift from the Corinthian believers would be seen as amazing, maybe phenomenal, that people from this this area that was so immoral, put together a very nice gift and gave it willingly to help believers that they never even met in Jerusalem. Verse 12 of chapter 9 says, For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. Imagine hearing all the thanksgivings to God when the, when the believers in Jerusalem found out that this gift came from Corinth, wow, that would be totally unexpected. So still in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15, I may not read them all, but, <clears throat> but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. It's the law of sowing and reaping. And we know that for if you're a farmer, you plant seeds in the ground, and everything works out, your crops come up. And when you plant one seed, let's say you plant uh, for corn, the corn stalk comes up, and when the ears come out, there's more than one ear. So you plant one, you get many. Right? The law of sowing and reaping. Then the Bible says, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. I don't know if I'm going to say this in a way that I should say it, but, but if you're going to be like, you know, holding, just clenching on to that 
money and just just barely be able to put it in the plate. I mean, is that being a cheerful giver? No, I don't think so. Being a cheerful giver, we love to give. We get opportunities to give for people. We get opportunities to give for ministries. And God honors every bit of it. Then it says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. God blesses us with an abundance so we can give. And that's just like him, isn't it? I mean, if Jesus had anything, he'd give it. He's the best example we have of a giver. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, so even the seed comes from him, and bread for food, so even our food comes from him, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. God gets thanksgiving through our giving. How awesome is that? I'm not saying we give to get. I mean, we don't, we don't give so we can get. But we give in obedience. We give worshiping God, trusting God. And we understand that God cannot be outgiven. He is good. He is generous. And he loves a cheerful giver. The Greek word, I can't pronounce it the way it is, but hilaros, and uh, it means joyful. A joyful giver. Glad to give. God gives so many other things to us too. I'm just his Holy Spirit, favor with people in situations. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit, nine awesome things. His forgiveness, his mercy, his wisdom. Um, he sets up divine appointments for us, with other people. He opens doors. Every good thing, Hebrews says, comes from God, the Father of lights. So we're giving some of our money in our hands to God, and we're trusting him to supply our needs and beyond so that we can help other people. God honors our trust in him. Today, what did we sing? Jaira, you are enough? He's even more than enough. He is absolutely more than enough. The worship this morning just paired perfectly with this. So I'm going to give you a few practical tips. I'm sure some of you know these and some of you have heard of these. And if you haven't, that's okay. But the first one is everyone's favorite tip. Have a budget. Everyone loves to make a budget, right? Not so much. But whatever, whether you're single or you're married, you need a budget. Because a budget lets you know how much is coming in. And a budget lets you know how much is going out. And a budget lets you know where it's going, which is probably the most important part. Keep track of everything through your budget. A budget can prevent you from spending money that you're not supposed to spend. Now, I'm not saying that the budget just includes bills and, uh, you know, put some money in there for doing something fun. Put some, you know, whatever you do, but, but a budget is a great thing to have. 
Um, it also helps you reach your goals by focusing your mind on where your money's going. It can also help you make better financial decisions like preparing for emergencies. Everything goes into your budget. Now, update your budget if your financial position changes so it will reflect your current state. When LV comes back from the Philippines, we're going to update our budget because we've had a change in our state, in our financial state. So we will sit down and we will calmly and very kindly update our budget together. <laughs> uh, if you're married, take one evening. Could, could only take so many minutes, maybe 30 minutes at the most, and sit down calmly, quietly, and do any adjustments you need on your budget, or if your budget is still fine, great. If you're single, sit down one evening with yourself and do it. When you do that, you're not only setting your budget, you're tracking your progress financially. Second thing, if at all possible, create an emergency fund. Everybody has emergencies, everybody. A Couple of months ago, we had, uh, we got water under the sink. Um, we had to get a plumber and we had the money for it because we had an emergency fund. That's what it's there for. Now, the emergency fund, Dave Ramsey, who is a well-known Christian financial guy, I mean, very famous for that. He says that it's best to have an emergency fund that is three to six months of your monthly income. That sounds like a lot, doesn't it? It sounds like it's not going to get there right away, doesn't it? But that's what he says, and he's really good with finances. Somebody else says you should have at least $1,000 in your emergency fund because if something happens, you get a leaky pipe and you can't fix it yourself, something else happens, hopefully $1,000 will either cover it or come very close. Whatever you decide on, just make sure it's enough for an emergency because that's what an emergency fund is for. Be wise. Commit to the emergency fund and you'll be thankful for it when an emergency comes. Third thing, another one that everybody loves, pay off your debt. It frees up money to be used elsewhere. And if you have credit card debt, it reduces the amount of monthly interest you pay. Always pay more than the minimum amount on your credit cards if it's possible. Uh, it's going to take a lot of years to pay it off if you pay the minimum amount. And if you're planning on paying it off, don't use it. Because if you're paying it off and you keep using it, you're not making any progress. Let's say that we have two credit cards. One of them has a balance of $1,000. One of them has a balance of $2,000. And you're paying $100 a month to the first one and you're paying $100 a month to the second one. After 11 months, you probably thought I'd say 10, after 11 months, the first card is paid off. Because don't forget, you're still paying interest. By that time, the second one from 2,000 is now 900, well, 1,000, because you're paying interest there too. So then you take the 100 you were paying on the first card, 
add it to the 100 on the second card, and now you're paying $200 a month. And now the debt will be gone twice as fast. <clears throat> Proverbs 27, 22, verse 7, says, A rich person rules poor people, and a borrower is a slave to the lender. And that's true. If you don't believe it, just wait till the calls come in. Where's our money? Borrower is slave to the lender. So be generous. Number one, be generous. God is generous. God blesses generosity. And number two, practical things will help you. They're not always fun. It's not always like, I get to pay the credit card today. But in the end, you'll have your hands up praising God that there's no more credit card debt. The bottom line is do something. Do something. Because if you don't do anything, nothing's going to change. That's really this morning's message. Money and generosity. So we're going to move into ministry time, which is time where we respond to what the Holy Spirit's saying to us this morning. And I'm going to ask you where you are. Um, you can stand, you can sit, doesn't matter. Um, if you're comfortable, bow your heads uh, out of respect for the other people. And close your eyes if you're comfortable doing that. And we'll invite the Holy Spirit in right now. Holy Spirit, come. Come.